You're listening to a sermon preached at Meridian Church. For more information about Meridian Church, visit meridianchurch.com. It is our hope that this sermon is used by the Holy Spirit to minister to you the grace and peace found in Jesus Christ to the glory of God the Father. And now, here's your sermon audio. I'll give you a moment to find Ephesians chapter 5 in your Bibles, on your iPads. Ephesians chapter 5, we'll be looking specifically at verse 18. If you remember, some of you might remember that this is the same verse of Scripture I preached last time. Thank you, sweetie. And uh, that shows how quickly I learned. (laughs) I'm still on the same sentence from I don't know when. Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to be reading beginning in verse 6 and I'm going to read through 21 if you're ready for the scripture say amen Amen. let no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience therefore do not become partakers do not become partners with them for at one time you were darkness but now you are light in the world Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and true and right, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible, for anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says... Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Lord, we come before you this day, and God, I thank you for the time of worship that we've already had, and I thank you for Daniel coming and and leading us in in Scripture and praying. And I thank you for Chris's prayer. I was reminded, Lord, of a conviction that I have when I heard him pray that you will remind me sometimes to, to pray specifically to your Holy Spirit, to the Lord Jesus, your Son, and to you, the Father, because you are one and your unity is is amazing, Lord. And so, God, we we come here as a church and as a body of believers, the body of Christ, and we confess to you that we can know nothing of your truth, Lord, unless your Spirit reveals it to us. And so we beg you, Father, to continue your kindness towards us. Reveal your truth to us. Wash us clean by the washing of the water of the Word of God, Lord, your precious Word. And it's in the name of my Savior, King Jesus, that we pray. Amen. 
reading the Bible for a believer is communication. It's communicating with the Lord. Now granted, most of the time I, I have a sense about my own self that I need to be doing a lot more listening and a lot less talking. Uh, I get convicted for talking too much to the Lord. I, that, doesn't, that doesn't come out right. I need to listen to the Lord a lot more. Let me say it that way. Nonetheless, the Lord is speaking to me in his word, and I am answering him back by the way I respond to him. I was a communications major when I, when I did take some college classes. I was a communications major, and, and we had to learn about uh, all that. I remember the big communications model. We had, it was on everybody's wall when you get to the to the speech department, and some of that still comes back to me from time to time. I'll think about, you know, like for instance, when I'm standing in the pulpit and I'm looking out at people, you are communicating to me by your posture, by the look on your face. I've got some scowls a couple of times. Boy, I mean, I've had some scowls from the pulpit. Not here, but in other places. And so we are communicating, we are responding to God's word one way or another. Now the focus I, I want to draw our attention to this morning, last, last time we focused more on be not drunk with wine. This morning I want to draw our attention together to, to focus more on this, this fragment, but be filled with the Spirit. And, and my issue has not been necessarily to, to search out a definition for what it means to be filled with the Spirit. I, I think for the most part, most of us kind of know at least some aspects of what it means to be filled with the Spirit. But what bothers me, what has bothered me about this text, the reason the Lord's been chasing this particular text around in my spirit is because it... It, it bothers me that I can have half of this pretty squared away. But that doesn't necessarily automatically make me be filled with the Spirit. Let me, let me say that another way. I'll just be real practical with you. I'm not much of a drinker. I, I, even, even as a lost person, I'm just not very good at it. I, I didn't enjoy it all that much. It makes me sick. Uh, you know, I hear people talk about, oh, this wonderful craft beer and this and that about this wonderful lager beers and blah, blah, blah. All that stuff is disgusting to me. I mean, if you like it, that's fine. That's, I mean, that's no different than somebody saying they like meatballs and this guy don't. But I don't like the taste of any beer. It's gross to me. And, and I'm not a very good drunk. And so... The first half of that command doesn't come too tough to me. Now, last time, if you paid any attention, some of you might have been too hungover to show up for church that morning and missed it. The deeper understanding there is that not necessarily only the being drunk. Now, that was part of it, if you, if you remember. But there's a deeper understanding there that these people were, were, were making an attempt to commune with a holy God in the way that they did when they were pagans. Right? And, and the honest truth is, now I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to be braggadocious here, but the truth of the matter is, I got a pretty good handle on that as well. 
not because I'm spiritual, but because I've been a believer for a number of years, and I've studied the Bible, and I've read the Bible, and I've sat under a bunch of preaching. And so I, I have a pretty good grasp on what God says about his own self and how I am to approach him. And I have a fear of him that is healthy enough that I know better than to approach him in a way that's not the way he has said. So I've got a pretty good handle on the first half of this scripture, but it bothers me that I can just kind of be in limbo there. I'm not drunk with wine, and I'm not approaching God in a way that he has not led me to do or taught me to do, but I'm not necessarily filled with his spirit. I would go so far as to say this. As a believer, as a born-again believer, you are either right now, while you sit here, right this moment, as far as I can tell from Scripture, you are either filled with his spirit or quenching and grieving his spirit. That's what bothers me. Because in those moments when I am not filled with His Spirit, if the only alternative is that I am quenching His Spirit and grieving Him, then I don't want to be there. I don't want to stay there. And so, my, my, the question that, that comes up is, how ought I respond to this text? When I'm reading through this text, and there, are, and, and let me tell you, these, these points here, I'll, in fact, I'll just be real honest and transparent. I didn't come up with these points for this. I, I listened to a preacher preach these points in a sermon from Isaiah, and it impacted me tremendously. I mean, this was a great sermon. And I went back and I looked for it later, and I couldn't find it. I heard him later, and he started to say these points, and I said, oh, there's that sermon. Well, it was a different text. And I thought that rascal's using the same points. Since then, I've heard him use those same points on more than once. Malcolm Ellis, it was. And the Lord reminded me, and that's been some time ago, and, and, and when he was chasing this scripture around in my heart, he reminded me of that, and I, and I thought, and it's a perfect application right there. And so I didn't really come up with these. There was a time in my younger days when I first began preaching, I would never do that. And if I did, I wouldn't tell the congregation. That's plagiarism. But what I've discovered is that if I'm coming up with new stuff, it's wrong. We are all of us regurgitating a truth that belongs to God. How ought I respond to a text like this when I come to it? Three things come up. Could I be filled with the Spirit? Should I be filled with the Spirit? And would I be filled with the Spirit? We'll deal with the first. Could I be filled with the Spirit of God? Now this is what I was, I was reminded of another preacher, Henry Blackaby. If you've been around the Baptist church very long at all, well, I say that. I'm getting older. I, I'm, I'm running out of room for saying that. 20-some-odd years ago, I went through uh, the Henry Blackaby study that, heck, ever Southern Baptist Church, and probably then, probably some more, was going through, uh, experiencing God. 
And I don't remember much about it. And the truth is, uh, you know, I probably don't agree with Henry Blackaby about a lot. I don't know. I don't know where he stands on all the issues that we hold so firmly to. But I think if he was very reformed, we would have run across him again by now. So, but I know this: you can fish a lot of ponds, and you don't have to keep everything you catch. So just because I don't agree with him in one area doesn't mean he can't say something that's good and true and right. He called this a crisis of belief, and I like that. Every one of us, if you're a child of God today, you have approached crises of belief in his word, in life, over and over again. That's how he saved us, and that's how he continues to sanctify us. And so this is a crisis of belief for me. Could I? Be filled with the Spirit of God. Is this just religious mumbo-jumbo that's not real and practical for me? Is this just a positive way of thinking that, that the Lord is going to use, now the Spirit of God is going to use that, and when I hit some tough times, He's going to encourage me with these words. Is it just a positive way of thinking or, or is there an application for me specifically? Could I be filled with the Spirit of God? Is this a practical truth that God Himself intends for me? Right here in Stevens County, Oklahoma, 2021. The enemy of our soul will attack us in, in this day and age, and one of the primary, I believe in, in my life anyway, this is one of the primary attacks of the devil and his army of demons, is, is, is this bombardment that these truths are, are okay to believe, and they're, they make a good song, and they make a good poem, but it's just not practical for me. It's just not something obtainable for me. What an arrogant attitude. What I'm really saying when I, when I respond to the Lord at this text, what I'm really saying when I say to Him, could I be filled with the Spirit? What I'm really saying is, is this real? Do I dare take God's Word seriously in my life? Do I dare have the audacity as a fallen man, to read God's holy word and say, this is what God, holy God, intends to do to me. Could I be filled with the Spirit of God? Acts chapter 6. We find in Acts chapter 6, the, the, what, what the men I trust say is the formation of the office of deacon in the church, even though deacon is, is not really mentioned there, the word deacon, but you're familiar with it. In these days, the disciples were increasing in number, and the complaint rose by the Hellenist. And so what we've got here is, is such an exponential growth of the church body that the, the, the men of God, the preachers, the apostles, couldn't keep up with it. They couldn't keep up with the ministerial demands of serving the body of Christ at that time. And so they, in their wisdom from God, 
said, they called the whole congregation together and said, find from among yourselves seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom. What encourages me, what answers this question that floats to the top of my heart as I, as I come across a text like this, is that when the call went out to, the, to that church congregation, they were able to find those men. They were there amongst them. They said, find from, from, from within this body men that are full of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you're familiar with this text, it's the, the, the complaint arose by the Hellenists, and, and what they were saying was, hey, when you're delivering, the, when the food's being delivered, our widows are being neglected. They're being overlooked. I don't think it was necessarily a, a dissension, and I don't think they necessarily overlooked those Hellenist widows purposely. It was just something that arose. There's a practical need in the church. Interestingly, all these names, it says, and, and what they said pleased the whole gathering, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and, and Prochorus. I mean, they're listed in there. All of them Greek names. And so, so what I come to is, is my response. When I come to a text like this, is my response should be an unwavering, I could be filled with the Spirit. We tend to read through, I tend, I don't want to lump you in. I tend to read through Scripture and, and hold these men and women that I read into some unscriptural, set them up on a pedestal as if they're no longer flesh and blood. But saints, I'm telling you, the truth of the matter is, even though I struggle with that, the truth is that if Stephen can get full of the Spirit of God, so can I. So the answer is, I could be filled with His Spirit. This is uh, not the only time that, that he says this. In, in chapter 3, he, in the prayer from Paul is that they be, they, they be led into truth, and, and then he, he kind of culminates that and says that you be filled with the fullness of God. He says again in chapter 4, with the fullness of Christ. Then in chapter 5, he says, be filled with the Spirit. I could be, according to Scripture, filled with the very fullness of Christ. In Acts chapter 4, Brother Daniel read most of that. It says right there plainly in the text, Peter being filled with the Spirit, and, and what a confrontational <laughs> statement. What Boy, you talk about uh, stepping on some toes. Oh, you want to know whose name we done that under? It was Christ, whom you crucified. And so there's a little bit of a picture. That's all I'm going to deal with, really, a bit of, about what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God. Well, it gives you boldness to preach His Word and to, and to proclaim His truth under any circumstances. With no fear of man. I, Brother Dan stopped at verse 12. Verse 13 is the encouraging text for what I'm talking about. When, that, when the question floats to the top of my heart, 
Could I be filled with the Spirit? Verse 13 says, Now they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common men, and they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. What an amazing thing that that congregation in Acts, that those men were so full of the Spirit of God, so filled with the fullness of God, that it was obvious to everyone in their life. That these lost men who were persecuting the Christians, the followers of Christ for preaching the gospel, were able to see by their life, because they were filled with the Spirit of God, they were able to know that's not them. Second question that floats to the top naturally, if I had determined that I could be filled with the Spirit of God. I mean, this is something that's available to me. This is something God intends to me. I answer him, I could be filled with the Spirit of God. But then there, there by necessity, a second question bubbles up. Should I be filled with the Spirit of God? This seems like something that's going to have some effort involved. This seems like something that might work me. I might have to make some, some changes in my life. I might have to sacrifice some of my entertainment. Should I be filled with the Spirit of God? What I was really asking when I said, could I, is, is this real? Then when I say, should I, what I'm really asking is, is this necessary? Is this something that is worth my effort? What has happened to, to me, and I believe what has happened to, to the Western church, is that we have become okay with just being okay. We, we have become content, and, and again, I say this with, with conviction in my heart. I'm convicted about this. I have become content with mediocrity. Me, mediocrity. I have become satisfied with just getting by. When Christ said, I have come that you'll have not just eternal life in heaven, that's not, that's not the only reason He went to the cross. He said that you'd have life and life abundant right here and now, in the here and now. It is His intention now that I have life abundant in the now. For his own glory. But I have become okay with just being okay. I'm just getting by. I think, I think that a lot of us, if we were brutally honest, and someone said, how are you doing? How, what's it like? How are you doing with your faith? If we were brutally honest with ourselves, that'd be our answer. Well, I'm, I'm doing okay. You know, I'm, I'm, we're making it. Well, it's tough, but eh, we're getting, you know, we're making it. Should I be filled with the Spirit? My wife has taught me a long time ago. I learned from, through my wife. Every believer has a state and a standing. 
My standing is I am in Christ. That was a work that the Lord himself, God the Father, chose me before the foundation of the world. God the Son came and, and, and made that choice effectual. He did the work. He, he, he satisfied the wrath of God, literally, by work on earth. Went to the cross for me. Holy Spirit came and made that be known to me. He revealed truth to me. Opened my eyes. Something like scales fell from Paul's eyes. The same thing happened in my life. And so my standing is, I'm a child of God. And if I perish today, I will be with Him in paradise. But my state, oftentimes is okay with mediocrity. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 20, For the kingdom of God does not consist of, in talk, but in power. That means it's, it's, not, it's not enough that you know the right things to say. I know a lot of the right things to say. But does my life, the way, the way, James, uh, the way Peter and James, their, their life showed forth the fruits of being the, uh, having the anointing of God on them. Those lost men looked at them and said, something's going on here. This is a supernatural thing because I know these men. They're just fishermen. Should I be filled with the Spirit of God? The answer that I must, if I'm reading my Scripture, I must come back and say, yes, this is necessary for me. I can't go on, Lord, being okay with just being okay. That's not what He died for. Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4 says, If, if then you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things of the earth, for you have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Here's, here's what grabs me. When Christ, who is your life, appears. Here, here's a quote. Here's a quote from my, one of my heroes of the faith, Malcolm Ellis. He says, Christianity is not what men can do for Christ, nor is it primarily, primarily what men proclaim to believe about Christ. But rather, Christianity is Christ Himself. That's what that Scripture says. He says, when Christ, comma, who is your life, appears, Yada, yada, yada. So when I'm faced with this crisis of belief from this text that seems to be supernatural beyond my ability to obtain, when I say to the Lord, could I be filled with the Spirit? He has answered unwaveringly, yes, I could be filled with the Spirit. And I should be filled with the Spirit. He has Commanded it, for one thing. This scripture that we're reading right here is a command. 
<laughs> and here's something that grabs my attention. The same God that commanded, thou shalt not commit adultery, then commanded, be filled with the Spirit. It's not an option for me. When I ask myself, when I, when I ask the Lord, is this necessary? He says, I've already told you it's necessary. I've already commanded you to do so. If it were not necessary, I would not have commanded it. That's his answer to me. But it's not just a command. It's practical. It's for my own preparedness. I don't know how many of you are cowboy movie fans, but in Lonesome Dove, uh, when young, young Newt is just a boy and he's growing into manhood, he's fixing to go on his first raid stealing horses. Isn't that spiritual? Captain Woodrow F. Call comes to him and he tosses him a pistol and a, and a holster and he says, here, it's better to have this and not need it than to need it and not have it. It's about preparedness. You know, uh, as I was preparing, and I'll, I'll, I'll say this, and, and I haven't said this yet to, to anyone that I've communicated about this with, last week I was very unsettled about this still. There was still something missing. And, and, and sitting under Josh's preaching, suddenly it came to me. It's the external aspect of this. He says, be filled. It's not something I have. It's something he has that I have to take in. There's an external aspect to being filled. And it is a preparedness. I am preparing for what is definitely coming. There is definitely coming in my life, with no doubt. There is 100% sure coming to me Trials and tribulations and tests of the heart and moments of, of uh, crises of belief. And if I am weak and anemic from not having fed myself, I will fail those tests. I will perish. So the answer is yes, I should be filled. I could be filled with the Spirit of God? I should be filled with the Spirit of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, later in this, he, he talks about the, the armor of God. We don't have time to go into the, all the armor of God aspects, but you, you know the section if you spent much time in church where, where, where there is a, a, a soldier aspect to that teaching. Be ready to defend yourself and fight. Put on the armor of God the breastplate of righteousness, the, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. Prepare yourself. Don't stand there and be weak and anemic and then expect to win the battle. You will be the first one slaughtered, weakling. Prepare yourself. The last question, would I be filled with the Spirit? I've I've asked, could I? And the answer was, yes, I could be filled with the Spirit. 
about should I be filled with the Spirit? And the answer came through Scripture, yes, I should be filled with the Spirit. And then there arises a question, lastly, would I be filled with the Spirit? Now I have to go back to the King James Version of Scripture. The words of the Lord in, in Matthew chapter 23, verse 37, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest them which are sent unto thee, how often would I have gathered thy children together, even as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings, and ye would not. Because what good is a sermon that doesn't have three rhyming words? It's, we still use the word today in that sense. This is the biblical word for, for the putting into action of my will. If you said to a co-worker, hey, would you like to go to church with me Sunday? You'd be using the same word. And that, that co-worker may say, I would. I would like to go to church with you. The, the expression of my will. The Lord Jesus said, I would have taken you under my wing, Jerusalem, but you would not. I have asked really, really three, three questions. When I say, could I be filled with the Spirit? What I, what I might be saying is, is this actual? When I say, should I, Lord, be filled with the Spirit? What I might be saying is, is this essential? When I say, would I be filled with the Spirit? What I'm saying is, is this attractive? Is this something I want? What stirs your heart, saint? Someone once told me that they prayed earnestly for over a year that he would never in his entire life on this earth be confronted with the cross at Calvary and not become emotional. He said, whether I'm preaching it whether I'm hearing it preached, whether I'm reading it, Lord, any time my eyes or my ears take in and remember the cross at Calvary, I want to become emotional about that. I want, I want you to overwhelm me with emotion. I don't want to be callous about that issue. And I have never forgotten him saying that to me. My confession to you today is I, I become callous about all issues. The honest truth is I can just read and read and read and read and read and then look up and, and realize I'm thinking about some stupid car at the outlaw garage. I don't even I hadn't even comprehended what I'm reading. That's why I'm still in the same sentence, I guess. I have become callous. I want, and I say this really as a prayer in front of the church to the Lord, I want 
the filling of his spirit to be attractive to me. I want that to be what I long for more than any other thing. I want that to consume my mind when I lay at bed at night. I don't want to draw blueprints in my mind for what I want to build anymore. I don't want to think about my remodel more than I think about anything else. I want holiness and the filling of the Spirit of God to be the most attractive thing in my life and on my mind. I have to, I have, I'm in a crisis of belief. Is this even attractive to me? Because here's the issue. Here's why it becomes difficult for this to be attractive. Because I know enough about the Lord. I have been with him long enough to know who he is. He has revealed himself to me. And so along with that comes this, this background information that for me to be filled with his spirit, I'm going to have to be poured out. I'm going to have to give up me and take on Him. Even God can't fill a vessel that's already overflowing. Matthew chapter 5 as we come to the close here. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Who gets filled? The one who is hungry and thirsty. The, the, the Christian who's sitting here idle and content and yawning and stretching and, and he's just fine with being just fine, he's not getting it. God's not filling that individual. It's the hungry and the thirsty. Isaiah chapter 44. And I'm going to go again to the King James Version because it's the one that fits and, and I, I personally believe the one that, that captures the idea of what's being said the best. For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, he says. I'll, pour, I'll flood the dry and parched land. Who is it that gets a drink? It's him that's thirsty. Is this even attractive to me? I really can't land. I mean, I've already answered the first two questions and, and landed with what Scripture told me. I can, I could be filled. I should be filled. The odds are when I go into this question, I already know what the answer is supposed to be. This is not an issue of... <laughs> Let me make this very plain because it's something that I have to deal with. So I want to say this very, very plainly so maybe my heart will give, take a bite of it. This is not an issue of whether or not I am reformed. Scripture says, For I know who I have believed and I am persuaded that He is able to keep that which I have committed. God is still glorified when I make a commitment in my heart to follow after Him and to chase being Spirit-filled. God is still glorified when we get to heaven. When we all get to heaven, 
when we get there and we see those four and twenty elders over and over and over and over again for tens of thousands of years, every time the angels restart the chorus of praise, they will cast their crowns at the feet of the one who sits on the throne. And that is the, the reiteration that God, it wasn't me. Glory to God who has done this thing and I have reaped the benefits. I want this to be attractive to me. I want to chase after this. The honest confession from my heart is it's not attractive enough. I do not love him in action the way I love him in word. That's the, that's the honest confession. But I'm willing to be made willing. Lord God, we thank you so very much for this church, for this place like Brother Mark and I were talking about this morning, Lord, you have supplied for us a place where we can come and worship you and be safe and have a place of rest where you feed us and prepare us through the preaching of the Word. And God, I am grateful for that this morning. Lord, I pray that you glorify your own self in this Lord's Supper that we're about to partake in as we commune together as a church with you, Lord, let our hearts, I pray, Father, worship you in spirit and in truth. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon audio from Meridian Church. Please feel free to share this resource with others. We only ask that you do not alter the content in any way. Again, you can find more resources at meridianchurch.com.